Well, how did you go? How'd you go this week? I know that you're not perfect. And I know that you live in a world that's not perfect. How does he know that? How did you go? How did you go with uh, the evil in you? How did you go with the evil around you? Uh, Evil's a bit like a pinball machine, isn't it? Uh, Anyone under the age of about 25 is just going, "What, what is that? Some mechanical kind of device that gives you pleasure, um, delight as you uh, make a, a ball roll around a particular uh, device. Have you ever seen a uh, pinball machine of just that shuddering, like that, and then the ball flies across to something else? This is kind of what evil does, right? It just kind of ricochets all over the place. There's, uh, there's things about us that are not perfect that uh, start the ball rolling i guess if you think about a pinball machine where you pull the the lever back and it fires the ball off we we fire it off you probably did this week somewhere and uh sometimes you're just in the pinball machine and this ball ended up coming in your court because someone else fired something uh into you now the boss yells at the husband the husband yells at his wife the wife yells at the kid and the kid kicks the dog (laughs) that's uh that's kind of the evil kind of ricocheting around uh, in the middle of all of that, we, um, there's a tendency uh, when we get impacted by the evil of other people, it's just like, let's just bounce that off back onto them or uh, bounce it off onto someone else. You know, uh, the only way really to kill the, uh, the ricocheting effect of evil is that some people would actually decide that they are going to absorb it. That that would be some kind of evil airbag where it would hit and the force of it would actually hit the airbag and actually absorb it rather than reflect it. We, um, I was an elder in a church in town here, um, West Toowoomba Presbyterian, um, and they put up a new building and they didn't think at all about acoustics. (laughs) I thought, yeah, let's just get like tilt slab kind of concrete walls and put them up and that'll sound great when we get in there and start playing music. And of course, I was a drummer over there, and so that was obviously my fault. No, not really, but yeah, we just kind of got in there, and I think one of the first nights we were in there, someone played the piano, and it was just like the, th- the noise was just terrible. And it wasn't because it was a really bad piano player. It was just echoing and re- just bouncing all the time off, this, off the walls. What it, what it needed and what they ended up doing is putting on this whole wall of uh, sound-absorbent um, banks or or, uh, material up there to actually absorb the sound because what actually needed to happen is instead of this sound just rebounding all the time off this hard surface it needed somewhere where it could go and be absorbed forgiveness is an evil airbag isn't it forgiveness is an evil airbag both god's forgiveness of us and uh, our forgiveness of other people an evil airbag so i wonder uh who did you forgive this week what evil did you soak up this week now i'm not saying for a second that forgiveness is easy it 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 isn't painless to absorb evil it's very painful in fact the call to forgive is ultimately i think a call to suffer so who did you forgive 
this week? Who did, you, uh, who did you get forgiveness from this week? Who did you confess, say sorry to this week? Now, I'm not saying this to bust you. I'm just saying it because if we just be honest about it, we all blew it this week, didn't we? Did anyone notice that this week, that you blew it? So what, who did you go and say sorry to? Who, who, who did you ask? Who, who was an evil airbag for you? this week I mean that, that would be a good place to stop wouldn't it like let's just stop and think about all the people this week that I either sinned against because I treated them badly or did something to them or I didn't do what I should have done so sins of commission and omission all right things I didn't do that I should have done and things I did do that I shouldn't have done and there was probably a bunch of people around you that just absorbed some of that crap if I could put it that way this week and, and that was, you probably a bunch of times didn't even notice it. True? But you just need to know, even when you don't notice things, that there are things that are a massive, massive blessing to you. And they're a wonderful, wonderful thing to you. And it's good, even now, I think, to just think, man, this is incredible. It's incredible that we got through the week without wanting to kill someone. Or maybe you didn't. Or maybe you did something where someone should have punched you in the nose, but then they didn't. Well, what did they do? Well, at some level, they probably <laughs> absorbed some of, your, uh, some of your evil, some of your bad stuff. Because it does have a way of just bouncing around like sound does off a concrete surface. Well, I wonder. I wonder as you think about forgiveness, I um, wonder why we should forgive. Now, there are lots of ideas about that, right? Why should you forgive? Here's one. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. That's one reason. Now, if that's the best you've got, (laughs) that's a shame. (laughs) That's a shame. I'm not saying that there isn't some kind of truth in that, but if that's the best reason you've got to, uh, to forgive, then that's... A shame, you've got this one here from uh, attributed to Oscar Wilde, always forgive your enemies, nothing annoys them so much. That would be another reason to, uh, to forgive someone. So I wonder if, uh, if you had to just write in a sentence the number one reason or motivation for why you should forgive, what would you say? Think about it for a moment. Because the answer you give to that is going to shape the way that you give forgiveness. Tolstoy said uh, to forgive is to swallow evil and stop it from going any further. Now it's, it's easy to start uh, talking about forgiveness, right? Because everyone's kind of in the same boat. We're, we're all a bit dodgy. All right, and we live with people that are dodgy, and we have to deal with people who are dodgy. In some ways, it's a bit of a free hit, right? But the reality is that um, as some people here have to swallow a lot of evil. Like if you think about um, your past, you know. It, we're not wanting to be people, I don't think, they go up and just say, you just need to forgive, because forgiveness is never adjust. 
Like you said, you just need to swallow evil. You just go, what? Like you're just saying just at that? Swallowing evil is never a just. No one here is saying that swallowing evil and forgiving is easy. I think what we are saying, though, is that forgiveness is really, really important. True? So don't hear me for a second, like even, even right now, some of you might even be thinking, Peter has no idea the things that have been done to me. And do you know what? I don't. <laughs> I don't have any idea. I don't know anyone's story here uh, extensively and in the details. I just don't. So I, we're not talking about forgiveness today, or I'm not talking about forgiveness today, because I know everything that everyone in church on Sunday the 10th of September 2017, everyone who's coming to the project, I know everything that's happened to them. And so I'm saying, look, I, just, I know how bad it is and you've just got to kind of forgive because that, that's kind of what you're supposed to be doing if that's a particular motivation. That, that's not where I'm coming from. I, I do acknowledge that people hurt each other very, very deeply. And when, when you've been, maybe if you've been hurt really deeply and you struggle to forgive maybe let me just speak to you for a minute you can know all the truth about what the bible talks about with regard to forgiveness you can know all these funny little self-help kind of ideas why forgiveness is good because you don't get depressed and you don't get bitter and you get freed and you know, you, you've heard the ones like uh, forgiveness, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting your enemy to die. You, you know all that sort of stuff, right? But at the end of the day, it's just really, really painful and it's really difficult to do. And, and sometimes you can get in the grip, I think, of being hurt so deeply and so profoundly that you can know all the truth about why you should forgive. You can even know all the biblical truth about why you should forgive, but you can be left in a place where you just go, well, I just don't know anymore. I, I don't know about forgiveness anymore. I know I'm supposed to be doing it, but I just don't know. I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know how to get there. And I, I just don't know. And in fact, I said that in a group that where we were talking about forgiveness about a month ago. I said to some people, I said, I just don't know anymore. I know all the truth about it, but I just don't know. And see, I think what that does is that reflects the uh, the existential struggle with people offending you all right i don't doubt anything that i'm saying today but you can get in the middle of being really badly hurt by people and that can be a whole different story at that point and i just want to suggest to you today that if biblical truth if what god says in the bible doesn't land in the middle of that the most intense place of where people have hurt you then it's pretty lame <laughs> and maybe we should just give up on it but i think it does i think it does land right in the middle of that place where you just go well i just don't know i just don't know how that works So why don't you, um, can you open your Bibles up uh, with me? We're just going to read, uh, we're doing one verse today in Ephesians 4. So if you've got the officially kind of baptised project Bibles, I'll, uh, it's on page 977. There you go. 
Actually, it's over the page, 978. Verse 32 of uh, Ephesians 4. Be kind to one another. Anyone ever have a sticker when they were a kid that had a little photo of a kid on it and said, be ye kind? You did? Like you got it from Sunday school and you just thought, yeah, whatever. All right, do you know what my brother just did to me? (laughs) Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, why, why does this verse show up? Well, if you go back to the verse before it, verse 31, it kind of tells you that you're in a community of people where there's going to be bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. You go back up to verse 29 and you know that sometimes people say things that are corrupting. They kind of mess you. They, they, they kind, of, kind of wreck stuff for you. And so what does Paul do right at the end of, verse, of chapter 4 as he says, be kind to one another. I mean, just stop for a minute and just think about a world without kindness. Oh, that'd be long. I mean, it's, it's a bit, for those who got the sticker, like the thought of being kind has always been a bit doughy for me at some point. Is anyone with me? It's like, be ye kind. You just go, all right, like, okay. But here's the thing, the world just doesn't function without kindness, right? And I think people are kind a lot. You know, we're talking about gentleness. We're just talking about caring for people and being compassionate toward people. That's, that's kindness, right? Every time that someone treats you in a way uh, where they don't kind of give you what you deserve, <laughs> every time they help you out, someone's expressing kindness. I mean, the world is filled with kind people. It's also filled with unkind people because all of the kind people are unkind. But let's not focus on the negative. There's a lot of kindness around the place. We, shouldn't, we should just stop sometimes and just go, oh, it was really kind. It was kind that you got me a drink. You know, the other day, one of my kids said, can someone get me a drink of water? It's like, you got two legs and two arms and the tap's there and the glasses are in the drawer, all right? I need a drink of water. And someone got him a drink of water. Now, he should have done it himself, all right? He is not the lord of the Sondergeld house. The, the line in the Sondergeld house is, uh, you are not the big man. Dad is the big man in the house. You're not the big man. You need to remember your place, all right? There is a pack order in the Sondergeld house and you're not the top of that pack order. Um, and things go awry when boys think that they're the top of the pack order in the Sondergeld house. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you do. Okay, good. Not just some weird Sondergeld thing going on. There's a lot of weird Sondergeld stuff, but maybe that's not one of them. So someone, you know what they did? Someone got him a glass of water. That's kind, isn't it? Like, that's kind, you know? And, and how often does that happen? I mean, someone sweeps the floor at the end of the day. Well, I think that's pretty kind <laughs> to do that. Someone does the washing, and that's pretty kind. Someone shouts someone a copy. Well, that's, that's kind. Someone lets someone in who was a nut in the car who thought, we're just going to go right up the front of a lane that's merging because I want to get in front of 10 cars because that's going to save me 12 seconds. <laughs> and what happens? Someone lets them in sometimes. 
Some of you go, not me. <laughs> what is that? Well, that's kind, right? That's kind. Look at the, uh, the second one there in verse uh, 32. Tender-hearted. You know that word uh, is also translated compassionate, all right? Do you know what that word actually meant in, um, in the first century? It was good entrails. <laughs> it meant good entrails because the seat, the seat of... Um, the emotions, in a sense, was right down there, actually in the bowels, was actually what they talked about. But the interesting thing was that Paul here is actually doing a switch of rule on them because back in the day, in uh, the first century, good entrails were... The seat of your emotions and your entrails mostly was anger. So what's he saying? He's kind of doing a switch of rule and just going, hey, don't let the seat of your emotions and your entrails be anger. Let it be compassion. Now that, that's good, isn't it? You know, the, uh, the word compassion comes from the Latin word compatio, I think it is, which means to suffer with, you know? So you just you dial in, you wire in next to someone in their suffering and you feel what they feel. You can see what Paul's doing here, you know? Be kind, compassionate. You know, one commentator I read talked about how uh, kind and, kindness and compassion compassion are stymied or stalled or neutralized by unforgiveness he goes on to uh, forgive one another as christ has forgiven you now here's the thing let's um let's let's be honest have a heart to heart here for a minute we are really pretty good at showing grace to ourselves aren't we I think about how many times you know that you've done the same thing wrong over the course of your life. You have like amazingly um, helpful kind of intel on your own life and your own failures, right? Like if you, if you think about maybe the top three kind of weaknesses you've got in your life where you're going to blow it, how many times have you done those? Like heaps, right? And there's this weird dynamic that goes on for us that we can forgive ourselves like, 5,000 times and as soon as someone does something once it's like we're all over it see I know what I'm talking about you just can't it's like no I'm just used to that I cut myself some slack and we do cut ourselves some slack and sometimes people don't cut themselves some slack and the reality is that sometimes um, people get really down on themselves don't they you know that? I mean, even as I say that we cut ourselves plenty of slack, you go, well, I know someone who doesn't cut themselves any slack. They're really down on themselves about stuff. And that's, I mean, that would be a whole other message. Because uh, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of shame that operates in people like that. I want you to look at um, Ephesians 4.32, because, you know, what you see in Ephesians 4.32, it says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. I think what you see in Ephesians 4.32 is not just a model for forgiveness, but the inspiration for it as well, the reason for it. It's not, I don't think Jesus says to any of us today, you better just get out there and grit your teeth and start forgiving some people, <laughs> the way that I did, right? Now, he does say that, but he doesn't just say that. He says more than that. Can you flip across uh, in your Bibles to Matthew 6? So it's going to be on page 811 of the, uh, the church Bibles. 
most people would know this. I would think that even if you uh, don't love Jesus today, you don't follow Jesus, you, um, you probably have heard of the Lord's Prayer. Now, Jesus' teaching on um, forgiveness is, is very jarring. <laughs> it's, not, it's not comforting at all. Um, let me just read the Lord's Prayer there. So, uh, Matthew 6, starting at verse uh, 9. Uh, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, have, as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Just stick your hand up if you've ever prayed that prayer in a church service or somewhere. You just, you, know, you have, right? Now, it probably ought to just make you slow up a little bit true like you get to that bit and just go with the same standard that i've used with forgiveness with other people forgive me that way that's does that disturb anyone <laughs> like i think it's meant to be disturbing like that that is that is meant to be disturbing like really like that's what we're saying to god use the same standard as we've used just go over a couple of pages to matthew 18 i just want to read a parable of Jesus. <clears throat> Matthew 18. So page 824 there. So just before this was uh, the conversation between Peter and Jesus. All right? I appreciate the things that Peter says because they're the things that most people are thinking but they don't have the guts to say. Then Peter came up, this is verse 21, and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Who's ever asked that question? How many times do I have to do this? Are they going to learn? Will they ever learn? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Not literally. All right, some of you are going, yeah, I've clocked that one up. We're all good now. I can be bitter and unfit." <laughs> have an attitude toward people verse uh, 23 therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants when he began to settle one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents all right now just stop for a minute this shows you how exciting my life has has gotten i, I really like reading footnotes now see and some of it you can pray for me all right but if you look there, if you've got the church's version of the Bible, the ESV, right, there's a little two next to talents. And if you go down the bottom, it says the talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years wages for a labourer. So how many years would this guy have to work to pay off the debt if he was a standard labourer? 200,000 years. Everyone with me? Like, that's a long time. Does anyone, anyone here not think that's a long time? <laughs> 200,000 years is a really long time. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, which was what would happen in the day, and all that he had and payment to be made. Now, here's the thing. Like, there's no chance of paying that debt off, is there? Even if the whole family gets sold into slavery... And everything that this person owns gets sold. There's no chance of paying it off. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him. 
have patience with me and I will pay you everything. <laughs> Whatever. All right? Like that's just not going to happen. All right? But that's, that's what he's calling for. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now you notice there's a little number next to that. Go down the bottom, it says a denarius was a day's wage for a labourer. How much did he owe him? How many days wages did he owe him? A hundred, right? So... 200,000 years and 100 days. That's the comparison. And it doesn't even really matter what the numbers are, right? Jesus is not making a point about numbers. He's making a point about the fact that one guy, it was absolutely impossible for him to ever pay it back. And the other guy, it was 100 days. You could square that away within 12 months. And seizing him, I mean, just get the image of this. He began to choke him. I mean, he's grabbed this guy around the neck, maybe shaking him, right? It's a story, but you think about it. He's grabbing him around the neck, he's shaking him and he's squeezing so tightly on his throat that the guy's possibly going to die if that goes on for too much longer. And he's saying to him while that's happening, pay what you owe. Now, before we read the rest of it, anyone got a particular reaction to this person? He's got issues. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at him and you just go, man, there is something seriously wrong with you. <laughs> All right. You just, are you serious? Like you just got forgiven 200,000 years of labor and you're busting this guy for 100 days? You, you with me? It's just like, what is wrong with you? Like if you're a friend of this person, you almost want to go up to him and go, what is wrong with you? Are you kidding? So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Have patience with me and I will pay you. Do you notice this? This is the same thing that this guy did just a few verses earlier. Have patience with me and I'll pay you. Now the difference here is that this guy probably could pay back. But the guy choking him, Never could, even though he said that he would. Verse 30. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now, aren't you glad you don't live next door to that guy? <laughs> All right. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Now, this is the best kind of dobber right isn't it it's like we can't have this like this is like off the charts right we're going to report this to the master we're going to get this sorted out then his master summoned summoned him and said to him you wicked servant now don't just let's just linger just for a moment right jesus is saying that this servant is wicked because he didn't forgive like he's wicked You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And the answer to that is, 
Yes. <laughs> yes, you should have. And it's not even like, well, we need to get a solicitor to look at this. All right? We need to actually check out some details. There's probably a couple of clauses in there that we just need to check out. We need to be careful about what we're doing. Like, this is so ridiculously clear cut. Like, there's no question about it. The answer is yes. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Now, how is this guy going to be able to pay a debt in jail? He's not, right? He's probably there for the next 200,000 years or until he dies, whichever comes first. And this freakish verse to finish it all off in verse 35, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from, the, from your heart. Like, is that? So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother from the heart. Throw you in jail for the rest of your days until you pay your debt. Now, let me get to the happy side. I think one of the major malfunctions for this man is he didn't get what just happened to him. He didn't get it with the depth of kind of revelation and understanding that he needed to have. Because if he really did get what just happened to him, he wouldn't have done what he did. He needed to realise that he had been forgiven of something absolutely incredible. A debt he could never repay. And I don't know, I mean, there's part of me as I read that story, I just go, oh man, I would love to just, can you give me a few more details or biographical details on the dude that's not forgiving people? Because what, what was going on when he was asking for forgiveness, you know? What was going on when he's saying, just have mercy on me? Was he just thinking, I just want to keep getting on with my life and I want things to go the way I want it to go and I just need you to get out of my way? Like, what is, I don't know. But we're not told. We're not told. But he had a genuine debt. This, this is what uh, Miroslav Volf says. He says, forgiveness is the generous release of a genuine debt. So we come back to Ephesians 4.32. And it's, it's a tough ask. <laughs> Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's a tough ask, right? I mean... I think part of what happened with the, uh, the unforgiving servant is he just didn't realise and he didn't really take to heart underneath what he'd been forgiven of. And I would ask you today, in the context of your hurts and the things that people have done to you, do you have a keen sense of the level of forgiveness that God has granted to you? Because in the parable, uh, God's the master who you owe 200,000 years of labour to. And when you, when you think about that story and you go up to someone who's <laughs> done something to you, have cut you off when you've been driving, The last in line, there's like eight people in a checkout line and then a new checkout opens up and the last person sneaks in there in front of you. 
Maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was your mum. They did stuff to you. And I don't in any way want to minimise the pain that's been caused to you, but Jesus would say this morning, not Peter, Jesus would say this morning through the parable that what you've done to God almost infinitely, maybe infinitely, exceeds anything that anyone else has done to you. Now that, don't for a moment, like some of you just go, well, what are you saying? That it doesn't matter and it didn't hurt and it wasn't costly and it didn't cause scars in my life? I'm not saying any of that. It did. Absolutely it did. We're not denying any of that. We're just saying comparatively that you have a far, far, far bigger debt to God than anyone is indebted to you. You see, we, one of the key things about forgiving like Jesus is that we're actually forgiving a genuine debt. We've created a genuine debt with God that far exceeds anything that our fellow man or woman has done to us. There, are, there is a genuine debt. And we know from Jesus, to forgive like Jesus means that it's actually going to cost. Right? It's, it's, it's going to hurt. I mean, <laughs> forgiveness is not cheap. Anyone who has to swallow evil knows it's not cheap. It's not easy. And you just need to know this morning, folks, that that Christ has been through everything that you've been through and then some. Mockery, temptation, slander, betrayal, social rejection, physical harm, separation from his father and his death. I mean, imagine, wasn't there, I'm just going off the cuff here, but wasn't there a time where he was like preaching and his family showed up at the door, he was healing people and they just go, you're psycho, man. We seem to take you away, you know? I mean, what would that be like? To have your family show up and just go, well, we're just going to take you down to Bailey Henderson. I'm going to check in and we'll see you in a couple of weeks because there's something wrong with you. Maybe you've had your family say that to you. You know, we want to be a little bit hesitant, right, when we um, go up to people and talk about forgiveness because some people have to absorb an incredible amount of evil, right? Now, it doesn't mean that what Jesus says does not, is not a call for them to forgive. It, it absolutely is. But we just, we just want to avoid going up to people, I think, and just saying, you need to forgive like Jesus. And it's a trite, easy thing. Like Forgiveness is a costly thing. I mean, some of you might go, yeah, well, what would Paul know? Well, he got shipwrecked and stoned twice, and that's not the marijuana version, actual stones. He got stoned twice, he got shipwrecked. He had people in opposition to him. You think he would know something about forgiveness? He would, right? I mean, he's not saying, I don't think he's saying this, like Ephesians 4.32, he's going, this will get him. <laughs> Let's just put a verse in about forgiveness. That'll get him, that gets everyone. You know, and he just writes it on the end of chapter 4. Like this is something he would have had to practice. And here's the thing, forgiveness doesn't mean that consequences won't or shouldn't happen. See, we're not talking about the difference here 
sorry, there is a difference here between um, forgiving people and relational realities and trust. Sometimes it's just not safe. And people have done very, very serious, deep, hurtful things um, to people. It's not safe for them just to go back and just kind of trust them straight away again. And some of you might go, well, okay, how does this thing work? Like, do you, does someone need to say sorry before you can actually forgive them? Do they kind of need to repent and kind of turn from the direction that they're heading before you forgive them? And I, it's a good question, right? Romans 5 verse 8 says, God shows his love for us and that while we we're still sinners, Christ died for us. What does God do with you? Well, God moved toward you before you even liked him. <laughs> he just did. I mean, that's Ephesians 1, right? You're adopted from before the foundation of the world. He moved toward you before you even liked him. Some of you can remember the time where you decided to give your life to Jesus and you decided to follow him. Before that, he loved you. <laughs> And he moved towards you while you're a sinner. And you're still a sinner. You're still blow, but he's changed your heart. So there's good things that have happened. There's good news. See, part of the complication, I think, with this whole thing about should I, should I forgive someone when they haven't said sorry is what, we kind of get messed up and just a little bit kind of muddled and start thinking that we've got to be the one that we've become this kind of vigilante, kind of mercenary that is going to mete out some kind of justice <laughs> in the situation. It's like if I say that I forgive them and they're not sorry about it, that just lets them off the hook and they don't get what they deserve. And so I need to hold on to some of it and just remind them that it's an unfinished, it's unfinished business for me. And they need to know that and they need to feel a bit of pain. I give them the cold shoulder every now and then or maybe not talk to them or... Paul says this in Romans, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Who knows that justice meted out by the victim is often really dodgy justice? Does anyone know that? Because you don't, whenever you just go, nah, they, they need to pay for that, all right? You always just go, I'm just going to add a bit of GST on top of that, all right? Well, give them what they deserve and they're just another 10%, all right? And then what do they do? They go, because then there's that whole self-righteousness inside of people. They're going, well, it wasn't that bad what I did. It wasn't what they did to me. So, okay, I'm going to pay them back and add another 10%, all right? And we just keep getting out of whack. We get further and further out of whack. We don't want to be people who somehow become this offended judge that has somehow got to work out justice by holding out on people. Because you know what we know? We know that God is a very, very just God. And everything will be fair. And that, I think, is a very helpful reality and a very peace-giving reality. Because many of you can sit there and you go, I know all these really unfair things that people have done to me. And I would say that they probably are. I don't know what you're thinking about, but 
They probably are really, really unfair. But you don't have to get them back. All right? Because there's an impartial judge that sees and knows everything that happens. And he was there when it happened to you. And you, you just don't have to sort it out. He will sort it out. There will be justice. There will be justice. He calls you to be like him. Let me finish on a, a couple of short, a couple of short thoughts. I wish I had a bit more time on these, but um, first one is: uh, Have you ever heard people say, oh, "I just can't forgive myself"? That that's weird, all right. And I used to be really kind of against this whole thing about self-forgiveness, and I still kind of am because I think it's weird. Because I, I don't think, I think the language confuses the whole thing, right? When someone says, "I don't forgive myself," I think they actually mean something else. I think one of the things I mean, people often say I can't forgive myself because they've done something and everyone's seen it. There's a whole bunch of shame about it. So you all know what I'm talking about? And it's just like I can't forgive myself because now I'm living in this identity that's out of my control and all these people see stuff about me. And it's not really a forgiveness thing specifically. It, it can be a real kind of shame thing or maybe uh, I just can't forgive myself is... Um, um, maybe just even coming from the fact that we just don't have a full-orbed understanding of what God's forgiveness of us is really like. Like, if you just feel like you can't forgive yourself, like, do you, do you have a revelation and understanding of how deeply and pervasively God has actually forgiven you? Like, in how far that goes into the inner reaches of your, your heart down into all the nooks and crannies, if you knew that, you mightn't say, I don't, I just can't forgive myself. Sometimes people say, I just can't forgive myself because I can't believe what they just did. It's like, that's not me. <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe that I just blew it in that way. And sometimes I think people say, I just can't forgive myself because they've just missed out on something that they really, really want. And it's not so much about not forgiving themselves. It's about something that they desire that they failed to get because they didn't nail it the way they needed to, to nail it. There's a whole bunch of reasons. A b bunch of those came from... Robert Jones wrote a little CCF mini book called um, I Just Can't Forgive Myself. So you might be interested in looking that up if that's been a bit of a, um, a line in your mind. Last thing is this. Um, I've talked about this before, but it's good to have a reminder. Um, I just would encourage you, let's be really good at doing forgiveness and let's be really good at doing confession. Okay, because the point is, is about relational reconciliation. Okay, and I find people can get really lame when it comes to how they confess things to one another. Okay, like I actually think saying sorry is like, man, like that's like about 20% of it. All right, if you're actually wanting to restore a relationship, sorry is about 20%. And we say, we, we just have some really dumb apologies sometimes, right? So you say, people say stuff like, I'm sorry it bothered you so much, which is really like, you're really soft and you can't handle stuff, and that's why my life's difficult right now. So anyone know what I'm talking about? Because you come out of that and if someone sinned against you and, you and someone gives you that apology, you just go, yeah, man, I just want to give you a hug and let's start going on family holidays together and we'll go out to dinner next Friday. You don't, do you? Because you're just going, I, I probably want to punch you in the nose. That's what I want to do right now because you just insulted me. What about this one? I'm sorry I hurt you. I didn't mean to. Well, people mean to hurt people, don't they? Lots of times. I'm sorry you're upset. Well, you're obviously a very emotional person and... I'm sorry that you're crying about it. It's like no kind of personal responsibility in that. 
And this one, have you ever had this one? Sorry for reacting when you were angry. <laughs> like I wouldn't have done it except you actually caused it. You're the problem here. And then um, this one's probably happened heaps and there's a really strong kind of temptation and pull in this direction. I need to finish in a minute, don't I? Um, I'm sorry, that's okay. You ever done that one? Someone just says sorry and you go, that's okay. And inside you're going, it's not okay. It was never okay. What they did is not okay. In any way, it's not okay. You see, this is um, the way I reckon we should, um, we should be doing confession. Name the wrong. Let's start off with that. Like that helps, right? If someone comes up to you and they go, hey, I'm really sorry for saying those rude words to you before. That was not right. They were harsh, corrupting words. All right? At that point, like if you've been offended by someone, at that point you're going, whoa, this is okay. We're on to, this is a good start, right? We've got off the, uh, the line at, the, you know, at the, the car racing track. We've got off the line really well. That was a good start, all right? The second part of it is uh, express regret. Right? Now, that's where you could use the yes word, right? Sorry, not, not an expletive. The yes, <laughs> sorry, right? So you're going, here's what I did, and I'm just sorry that I did it, all right? But that's not even all of it. We're probably about halfway through, maybe not even that. You know, the last one is the, the big one, right? Which is where you actually ask for forgiveness because what you actually need is like the story of the... Uh, unforgiving servant you need a transaction from the other person okay because you've you've created a debt with them and you need to be released from the debt that you've created all right now this is i love this bit as much as i hate it i love it because it's so important i hate it because it's the hardest thing to do because what actually happens in the third step is you reverse the power that was happening in the offence. So when you offend someone else, like if I offended someone else, if I came up to you after church today and just tore strips off you with my words, right? What I'm doing in that moment is I'm being powerful and you're being weak, all right? And this part of the, uh, this process, which I think is a biblical process, what are we actually saying? We're actually saying, I'm going to be weak right now and I'm going to make you the powerful person, right? Now, I'm not, the rest of my life is not going to be dependent upon whether they forgive me or not, okay? But I think there's something really appropriate in that moment of just saying, hey, listen, I'm just, right now, I want to give you some power in this moment and I want to ask you to forgive me. Now, I find this really hard. <laughs> the third, I find the third step really hard. I'm getting better at one and two, all right? But the power thing just gets me. Is anyone, is anyone with me on that? I actually just go on that extra step and just go, hey, I did this, I'm really sorry about it, and I, I just, would you forgive me? Because you know at that moment they can just go, nah, <laughs> nah. You know, and it happens in our family. Sometimes one of the boys will say, no, no, I'm not going to forgive you. And we're just going to give them time, right? Because sometimes it takes a long time to get there. And sometimes they've been hurt really badly and it's like, well, you're just going to need some time to, to, to get through that. Now, one of the things that we've talked about in uh, restoration groups is um, if forgiveness 
of sin and, and hurts that people have done to you is like climbing a mountain. If you're facing in the right direction and you're moving in that direction, you'll eventually get there. It's not something you've just got to square away in a two-second kind of deal. All right. Let me finish up. You've seen this quote about forgiveness. To her is human to forgive divine. See that one? It's a helpful quote, but I would tweak it just a little bit. And the reason why I tweak it just a little bit is I would ask you, do you think unforgiveness is truly human? Do you think someone who's stuck in unforgiveness and bitterness and rage and just wants to punish people who have offended them whenever they kind of see them either with a silent treatment or lots of different stuff do you think that like in your mind's eye do you think is that kind of the kind of human that god created in his mind's eye like i, I don't think it is I, I think that's a dehumanized kind of version of it you're gonna have communion in a moment When they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They cast lots to divide his garments and the people stood by watching but the ruler scoffed at him saying he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. Folks, Jesus is the true human. He is the true human. And I want to say to you this morning that as the true human is being slaughtered on a Roman cross and carrying the sins of the world, he does something that is so truly human, doesn't he? Which is to forgive in the middle of offence. When he's carrying the offences and the sin of the whole world, he forgives and he loves. He cries out to his Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do.